Hey everybody, thank you for joining the Grace Tabernacle podcast. Our goal is to reach our community with God's mercy, grace, and love with every podcast. We hope it will be inspirational and uplifting in your life. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Out of your schedule this morning and and be with us in this house today. If you have a Bible, if you just stand with me real quick for the reading of the Word of God, Matthew chapter 8. Beginning with verse number one, I'm going to read there for just a a couple of verses this morning. I believe God wants to talk to us in this house today. Matthew chapter 8 and verse number one. Amen, amen, amen. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 8 and verse one. He says, when he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And the Bible says immediately, somebody say immediately, immediately his leprosy was cleansed. The leper came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. I want to preach to you from this thought for just a few moments this morning. What moves the master? What moves the the master. I believe Jesus can be moved on our behalf and we just got to figure out what it is that moves him in the direction that he wants to go already in our lives. Would you just place your Bibles beside you and would you just turn around to somebody in the house this morning and tell them they look good in the house of the Lord today. If there's a guest around you, tell them they look good in the house of the Lord today and tell them you're glad to see them this morning in this place. Amen. Amen. Once you've done that, you can be seated in the name of Jesus. What moves the master? From from the moment that Jesus obeyed the directive of Mary, his mother, at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, this has been a familiar sight. Multitudes of people gathered around Jesus following him Everywhere that he went, every wilderness that he walked into, every mountain that he ascended, everything that Jesus did, once he worked that miracle of turning water into wine, everywhere Jesus went, he was followed by a multitude of people seeking for him to teach them, to minister to them, to do something in their life that would transform who they were. And the crowning moment of Jesus' ministry, obviously before the cross of Calvary, that was the crowning moment of his ministry. But before he made it to Calvary, the crowning moment of Jesus' ministry would probably be the sermon that he preached on the mountain. We affectionately call it the Sermon on the Mount. 
But the truth is this about that sermon. Uh, uh, he was up there for an entire day and he was preaching and he was teaching and, and thousands of individuals gathered around him to hear the words that Jesus was preaching. But the truth is this, while everyone heard the same words that Jesus preached, not everyone understood the message that Jesus was trying to get across. In the message of the Sermon on the Mount, if you read that, you can find it in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, the entirety of that message that Jesus preached on that mountain. But within that message, he had a whole lot of points that he talked about. He talked about loving your enemies. He talked about caring for individuals that are less fortunate than you are. Jesus talked about navigating relationships in that message. And there are a host of other points that I could bring out that Jesus talked about in that Sermon on the Mount found in Matthew chapters 5 through 7. But, but the central theme, I believe, of that Sermon on the Mount is found in chapter 6 and verse number 33, I believe it is, when Jesus says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, first seek the kingdom. First seek the kingdom. And when I hear those words of Jesus echoing in my ears, it makes it obvious in the text that we are reading in Matthew chapter 8, immediately following that Sermon on the Mount. It's obvious that these words of seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added. Whether this leper was there present on the mountain that day or he simply heard the words of Jesus as they were undoubtedly circulated around the the communities surrounding that mountain in the following days. We believe, I believe that these words of Jesus seek first the kingdom captured the heart of this man who was a leper as he approached Jesus that day. Now Matthew calls this man in our text a leper. That is an important distinction this morning for several reasons. Number one being that a leper in Jesus' time was considered to be an unclean individual. And so lepers were not permitted to associate with other individuals that were considered clean individuals. They were not allowed to touch someone who was considered to be a clean individual or they would render that individual unclean as well. And if you know anything about leprosy, I've talked about it several times, but leprosy began in someone's body with a loss of the sensation in their bodies due to the nerves of their bodies being affected. And then as those things continued to progress, the muscles of the body began to waste away. The tendons inside of their arms and their feet began to contract until their hands looked more like claws than hands. They would then begin to see ulcerations uh, pr produce on their hands and their feet and then that would eventually begin to lead to the loss of fingers and toes and other members of the body and before it was all over entire hands and feet could fall off of the body of an individual that was plagued with leprosy. It was a death sentence some commentators say that would take 20 to 30 years for an individual to die. One commentator I read this week said it was the kind of terrible, aggressive death 
in which a man or woman dies inch by inch. And according to Jewish law, a leper had to ensure, not the people around him necessarily, they would do their part to stay away from a leper, but a leper was required to ensure that there were at least six feet of separation between himself and from the clean person or people that were around them. And the way they accomplished that is everywhere they went, they had to scream at the top of their lungs, unclean, unclean. They had to let everybody around them know what was going on in their life and that they needed to be separated from them for at least six feet. If the wind was blowing from a leprous individual to a clean individual, there had to be 150 feet of separation between the leper and the clean individual. The only thing more defiling than touching a leper in biblical times was touching a dead body. Leprosy was such a dreaded disease that in the Middle Ages when one was diagnosed with leprosy, the priest or the minister would bring the individual into the church the moment that they were diagnosed with leprosy and he would read over them the burial service right then. Imagine the feelings as your pastor or your minister would read over you a burial service when you might have 15 or 20 or 30 years yet to live, but this disease is going to eat away at your body inch by inch, and there is no healing for it. There is no cure for it. And so it was in the midst of this prevailing thought that this leper makes his way into the presence of Jesus Christ. This leper, this unclean individual finds his way into the presence of one that he feels like maybe he's heard somewhere of a miracle that has happened in someone else's life and so he makes his way carefully into the presence of Jesus, I believe, because the leper understood that my issue that I've got battling in my life, my circumstance that I'm going through right now, my leprosy is bigger than I I am, but it's just possible that maybe, perhaps, this disease that I'm facing is not bigger than Jesus. And so he finds his way into the presence of Jesus. And I believe that there are people that walked in these doors this morning and you've got some stuff going on in your life. You've got some things going on in your mind. Maybe you're battling a health issue. Maybe your marriage is on the rocks. Maybe your children aren't where they ought to be. Maybe your, your, your mother or your father is battling an addiction or something's going on in their life. Maybe you're looking for, for a job and you've been without or you need provision in your life. I don't know what your circumstance is this morning, but I believe somebody walked in this building today with some stuff that's going on in your life and it's bigger than you are, but just maybe you also walked in this building understanding that it might be bigger than me, but it's not bigger than my God. It might be bigger than me, but it's not bigger than Jesus. And so I'm going to bring it to the place where I know Jesus is going to show up and perhaps maybe I can get an answer for my issue before I walk out the door this morning. I don't know that the leper 
walked into the crowd of people that were gathered around Jesus looking to be a follower of Jesus or not. I don't know that he showed up with an intention of walking away being a disciple of Jesus, but what I do know that as he showed up, something on the inside of that man began to change. What I do know is when he showed up in the presence of the healer, the need for which he came to meet Jesus, when he showed up in the presence of a healer, something on the inside began to move in that man. Something began to shift on the inside of him. And before he knew it, he was blurting out, Lord, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now that's important how he addressed Jesus. It's not just that he came in and he said teacher or that he showed up and he said rabbi or that he showed up and said you're a good leader but all I need for you to do for me is what I came for. But he showed up and said Lord Lord the Greek of that word in the New Testament it means he to whom one belongs and about which he has the power of deciding. He was walking into the presence of Jesus saying I surrender all. He was walking into the presence of Jesus saying I don't know how to beat my issue but I know you're bigger than my issue and so I'm going to surrender to you in hopes that somehow you can make my issue better. It was important that, G, that, 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 that the leper, the man said, Lord. And the reason it was important is because he was going to surrender. But there was another reason it was important. Because in the time of Jesus, at, at some point in the Old Testament days, the, the Jewish leadership decided that they were no longer going to speak the name of God. They were no, no longer going to say Yahweh or Jehovah as we pronounce it because they were afraid that they were going to take the name of of the Lord in vain. And so they prohibited anyone speaking the name of Jehovah. And they said, we're just not going to say it. It was only the high priest that was going to say it one time a year. He was going to speak the name of Jehovah that was going to roll those sins forward. But then even it came to where the high priest wasn't going to say it. And so they were going to substitute another name that was Adonai or that was Lord in our English language. And so it would be that everybody when they were talking about God, they wouldn't say Jehovah because they didn't want to take his name in vain. They would just say Adonai. They would just say that substitution. And so the man probably had never spoken the name of Jehovah, but when he got in the presence of Almighty God, when he got in the presence of that one who is the fullness of the Godhead bodily, when he walked into the presence of the healer, something on the inside began to change. And he said, Adonai, I want you to be my Lord and my God. God, I want to surrender everything that I am to you. He was letting Jesus know, I know you're bigger than my problem. I know you're bigger than my issue. I know that whatever I've got going on in my life, if I just simply will surrender it to you, that you can be in control. And I want you to be in control. He was not coming to Jesus. This is important for somebody to hear this morning. He wasn't coming to Jesus dictating terms. He wasn't coming to Jesus saying, if you'll do this, then I'll do that. If you'll let it happen my way, then I'll allow you to be my Lord but he was just simply coming and saying I am surrendering to your will 
I am giving all of myself into your hands. I'm, I'm just simply giving myself to you and trusting that you are going to make the difference. He said, Lord, if you will. I, I told you, I don't know if he was there on the day of the Sermon on the Mount. I don't know if that leper was anywhere near any time Jesus ever worked a miracle. I don't know if he was there when blind Bartimaeus cast off his garment and his eyes were opened up. I don't know if he was there when he raised the dead or unstopped deaf ears. But I know that somehow that leper understood that Jesus is bigger than my issue. And so I've got to get in his presence. And so he came to Jesus saying, Lord, I know that if you are willing, that you're able. I know that you can heal. There was no question in the leper's mind that he could heal him. So perhaps he had seen him heal another leper. Perhaps he had seen him open blind eyes or unstop deaf ears. He said, I, the question is not if you can. The question is, Jesus, will you? Because if you will, you can make me clean. But I want you to notice something else. Again, he's surrendering. He's saying, Jesus, if you will, you can make me. He didn't say you can heal me. He said, Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. You can turn everything around in my life. You want to know what it is that moves the master? Surrender moves the master. When you walk in the doors and say, I surrender all. I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. That's what Jesus wants to hear. I'm, I surrender. I give you my life. I give you my heart. I give you my mind. Everything that I am. Surrender moves the master, but the willingness to say, God, I'm not dictating how you're going to lead. I'm not dictating where you're allowed to take me. I surrender. I get, I'm waving the white flag this morning and saying, I'm letting you have the steering wheel. I'm letting you have the reins. I'm just going to go wherever it is that you want me to go. I'm letting go and simply letting you lead. Let me tell you this morning, the plan of God for your life. I don't know what you're battling. I don't, know, I don't know where you're coming from. I don't know what you're dealing with, but I'll say what I say just about every Sunday. It's no accident that you're in this building this morning because Jesus wants to talk to you and Jesus wants to do something in your life today. And so it's no accident that you're here, but let me tell you that the plan of God for your life is always, always, always bigger than you think it is. The purpose of God for your life and for your family and for your marriage and for your career and for everything that you're worried about right now, everything that you're fearing right now, the plan of God is always bigger than you think it is. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament said, exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or even think. That is the plan of God for your life. It's exceeding abundantly above what you can think. So the question this morning that arises in our lives is this. Do I want what God wants for me? 
The leper came to Jesus, not dictating terms, not saying, Lord, I want you to heal me, but this is the direction that I want to go. Lord, I want you to heal me, but this is what you've got to do with my life. No, instead he came surrendering, saying, Lord, I know that you can turn all of this around, and if you'll turn all of this around, I'll go where you're leading me, God. I'll walk where you're following. I, 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 he, he said, I, I want to be whole. I don't, I don't just want to be healed. I don't want to walk away from this encounter with the master with my foot still gone and with my fingers still gone. I want to walk away whole. I want to walk away whole. And Jesus' response to surrender from that leper was, 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 was so revelatory. Jesus said, when he said, if you will, you can make me clean, the response of Jesus was very simply, I will. I will be thou cleansed. I'm here this morning to encourage somebody today that Jesus is able to take care of whatever need it is that you walked in this building with this morning. Whatever situation you walked in the doors and the enemy was perched on your shoulder saying it's too big, it's too bad, it's too off course, God can't even get out where you are right now. Whatever it is, the enemy's whispering in your ear and saying God can't take care of it. I'm here to tell you that he's big enough to take care of it and I'm here to tell you that he desires to work on your life this morning. Jesus has the power to correct every issue. Jesus has the power to right every wrong, to turn darkness into light, to turn heaviness into joy, and to turn weakness in your life into strength. But more important than the ability of Jesus to work on your behalf is the willingness of Jesus to work on your behalf. All he requires this morning, all Jesus requires this morning is the authority to act in your life. Jesus will move. Jesus will heal. Jesus will strengthen. Jesus will deliver. Jesus will do whatever it is that you have need of this morning. And here's something else you need to understand this morning. Nobody else around you has to believe God will move. If you believe it, I hear the Spirit whispering in my ear, actually shouting to the top of his lungs this morning, I will, I will, I will. If you will simply surrender your life if you will surrender your heart Jesus will work on you today the question is will you allow him to do what only he can do the struggle is bigger than you are but it's not bigger than he is the problem is bigger than you are but it's not bigger than he is the doctor's report is bigger than you are, but it's not bigger than Jesus is. He is able, willing, and ready to move on your life right now if you will just simply allow him to do so. Surrender to Jesus because surrender moves the master. The master will move to where you are. I love this about this passage that we read this morning. The Bible says that uh, when we read this passage, it lets us know that the leper kept his distance from Jesus. 
He did what was right. He, he probably even walked in to where Jesus was, and he was probably saying, unclean, unclean, I'm unclean. He was probably letting everyone around know that he was unclean. The leper kept his distance, but the Bible says that when he said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean, that Jesus closed the gap between himself and the leper. Jesus is in this house this morning and he is looking to close the gap with you in this building this morning. You've been keeping your distance. You've been walking with him kind of from a distance. You've been staying away further than maybe you ought to, but I'm here to preach this morning to somebody that if you will surrender to Jesus, he will bridge the gap between you and him. The Bible tells us in this same passage of scripture of Matthew chapter number 8 that after Jesus dealt with this leper, after Jesus reached out and touched the leper and said be thou cleansed, when, when he dealt with the, with, with the leper a Roman centurion showed up right after the leper left and approached Jesus and said I'm, I'm looking for healing for a servant that is at home in my house and if something doesn't happen he's, he's going to die and I need you to do something for my servant now you have to understand this Roman centurion was a man of immense earthly authority. He was, he was a centurion in the Roman army, which meant he had soldiers underneath him that he commanded and he uh, reported to superiors that were above him as well. So he understood the language of authority. He understood what, what authority meant and the one who spoke it, what happened when they spoke. I want you to listen to the interaction between this centurion and Jesus. This is what he says in verse number five. It says, now, when Jesus had entered into Capernaum, a centurion came to him pleading with him, saying, watch this, Lord. Here we find that word again, Lord, Master. God of the Old Testament universe, the one that created all things, the one that by whom all things exist, that, that God, I recognize you as God. And he said, Lord, my servant is lying at home, paralyzed and dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said, because Jesus loves the little children of the world and all the people in the world, Jesus said, I will come and heal him. The response of Jesus, I want you to know, the Bible says that when Jesus saw the multitudes, that he was moved with compassion on them. Jesus always wants to do what you have need of in your life. The question is, will you surrender to him and allow him to have the authority to move in your life? Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But watch, the, in verse number 8, the centurion answered and said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. I'm a Gentile. I'm a Roman soldier. I know that you've, you've come to, to, to save the household of Israel. I know what your mission is. And, and, and so I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. But, watch it. But if you will speak the word, Lord, if you will speak a word, my servant will be healed. There's some important facts for you to understand this morning. Anytime... The New Testament speaks about Gentile centurions. It's found seven times in the New Testament. They are always considered to be honorable and noble men. Cornelius, 
In Acts chapter 10, where the Holy Ghost was poured out on his home after he sent for Peter, he was a Roman centurion. The Bible says that he was a, 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 an honorable man. He gave alms. He, he did all the right things. He was praying. That's when the Lord gave him the vision of Peter and he knew to go send for Peter. So every time these Roman centurions are mentioned in the New Testament, they're always honorable men. And so it's not a stretch to believe that perhaps this particular centurion, having spent much time in this area of Galilee and the surrounding area, perhaps he was a distant follower of the ministry of Jesus. But whatever the facts of his following, the truth remains that when this centurion walked into the presence of Jesus, he does so with the same greeting of the leper. Lord, surrender. Whatever it is that you're asking of me to do. This was letting Jesus know that he was submitting to the authority that Jesus had. And I, I'm sure I can hear the argument right now. Well, well, he argued with Jesus. Jesus said, I'll come to your house and heal him. And he said, no, no, no. And so he argued with Jesus. But I don't know that that was the case. I think this gentleman may have had an inkling of revelation in his life because he was a man under authority and he was a man of authority. Clearly, with his declaration to Jesus of Lord when he approached him, I believe that had Jesus pressed the matter further, that the man would have said, okay, I want you to come to my house and heal my servant. I honestly believe that he would have permitted Jesus to come had Jesus pressed the matter further. I believe also that he was probably just trying to save Jesus the embarrassment and the shame of walking into a Gentile house because it was not kosher for them to do that. Not that it mattered to Jesus. But this Roman centurion was probably just trying to give Jesus every opportunity to not be shamed at all. But more than that, I believe it was a lesson of authority that Jesus was trying to teach in this moment. The centurion says, I'm giving you authority to speak over this situation. Lord, I am submitting and surrendering myself to you. I'll give you everything that I am. I'll follow you where you want me to go. But I understand because I'm a man of authority and I'm a man under authority that if you will simply just speak the word that the healing can come into my servant's life. And so I believe Jesus said, simply wanted us to understand that if we will give him authority, when the one who has authority speaks, things begin to change. I told you earlier, the Greek word, Lord, in that text, means one who is in control. The Greek for that word Lord simply means one who is in control, but also one who has the say over what is going to happen in the future. And so I believe this man was walking up to Jesus. I believe this man was walking up to him and letting him know, look, I, I am surrendering myself to you. If you want to come to the house, I'll let you come to the house. But I'm giving you authority in my life that if you'll just simply speak the word, I believe something will happen, happen miles away from where we are right now because you have authority. The Greek is he to whom one belongs and about which he has the power 
of deciding. That man was letting Jesus know, you've got the power to decide what happens in my life right now. I know enough about authority to know that when the one who has authority speaks, things begin to change. And I want you to pay close attention. It's found in Matthew chapter 8 and verse number 13. What Jesus says to the centurion after he says, you can just speak the word and things will change. Jesus said to the centurion, go your way. And as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And the Bible says that the servant was healed in that very moment. As the centurion surrendered to Jesus, as the centurion walked up to his Lord and said, look, I am bowing myself down. I am giving my life. I'm giving my mind, my spirit, my heart, everything I am. I'm giving it to you, and I'm giving you authority to move in my life. Jesus said, okay, since you gave me authority, let me speak the word, and something's about to change. Surrender moves the master. But when you mix faith with surrender, God can do the impossible in your life. Surrender every time will move the master into your situation. But when you begin to say, hey, I believe you can do it. I believe not only that you can, but I believe that you will. When you mix faith with surrender, the impossible becomes possible in your life. Would you stand with me this morning? Paul gives us some encouragement as believers in his letter to the church at Rome. This is what he said. I didn't give this to the media team this morning, but this is what he said in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 2. It's, it's a very familiar verse of Scripture, but sometimes we kind of rush past it and we don't get what he's saying. Paul says this. He says, and be not conformed to this world. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye, those are active words, don't be conformed, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He says, don't be conformed. Conformed is what the world wants to happen in your life. The world wants to cram you into a box that isn't really meant for you and it never will really fit the situation that God wants you to be in. That's what the world wants for you, for you to conform into the box that it's trying to fit you in. But Jesus says there is... An, an, an alternative in your life. He says, don't be conformed to this world, but instead, he says, be transformed. Transformed is God's design for your life. That word transformed in the Greek is the word metamorpha, or it's the word where we get our, our, our English word metamorphosis. It's what happened to Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. It's what happened when, when he was transfigured in front of his disciples. And it also has that connotation of the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. 
Jesus says, don't be conformed. Paul says, don't be conformed. Don't fit into the box that the world wants to cram you in that's never going to fit what God wants to do in your life. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what I've come to preach to you this morning, that God has something so much greater in store for you than you could ever imagine. And surrender is the door that we walk through to get to the transformation that God wants to make in our lives. Surrender. How do I surrender to God? You simply walk up and say, Lord, here I am. You simply walk up to him in your moment of prayer. We're going to open up this altar in just a moment. And this is a a place where you can walk forward and you can say, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what the answers are. I know the things that I'm facing are bigger than me, but I also understand they're not bigger than you. This is the moment that I need you to change my life. I surrender my heart. I surrender my mind. I surrender my spirit, my soul, my body. Everything that I am, Jesus, I give it to you. Jesus, Jesus. Because I want you to move in my life.